Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And a compromise is where everybody comes to the table and everybody gets up winning or getting something that they wanted, but no one person is 100% happy. Because if I win and you lose, then our relationship loses. Where I want to start is I heard you say something super freaking powerful, which was there's a massive difference between chemistry and compatibility. Oh, and yeah. like I'd mentioned in my intro, chemistry sometimes it just happens you don't have to work at it sometimes it's just sparks flying and you can't help it and there's like such fire between you and that is nature's way of making sure that we procreate right so that's it that is exactly it and so it's all chemical you're not in control of that that's why sometimes if you've ever walked into a room and you've been like oh my gosh, our eyes locked and I was just on fire and everything about them is amazing. And sometimes you don't even want to let them go when you realize they're not the right person for you out of the bedroom and you go, everything else is wrong with this relationship. But my gosh, when we're together, the fire is just incredible. That is chemistry, my dear. Right. But that doesn't last, right? Nature makes sure that you procreate and you basically move on. So I've been married now for 18 years. I just had my 18 year wedding anniversary and it has been very difficult, hard work, but Mm -hmm. the most beautiful work I could ever possibly do in my life. But the reason why we have been able to sustain 18 years is because every step of the way we have been in communication about what works for him, what works for me and our compatibility as we change and grow. Like one thing I was very aware of, and I would love to dive so deep with you, girl, is to talk about addressing issues as they come up how Mm -hmm. to make sure that you are compatible and not just staying with someone because you're holding on to an old fiction of what you thought you were or were going to be. Yeah. Um, And then making sure that you're addressing that so you don't hold on to resentment and grudges Mm -hmm. because those are the things that I think will eventually be the downfall to people's relationships. And it becomes a point where it's been splintered for too long. So Mm -hmm. talk to me about the process from chemistry to then finding out if you're compatible and yes. then we can go down to how we can make sure that we don't then become resentful and grudgeful down the road. I love this. We are talking about everything that I want to talk about. So this is so exciting. <laughs> okay. And it's important too. And the reason for that is because oftentimes people are afraid as chemistry changes, they're afraid and they mistake the chemistry changing for them falling out of love. Okay. Okay. So what happens is when we first have initial chemistry, we call it NRE, which stands for new relationship energy. When we have new relationship energy with somebody that we first start dating, it's everything is incredible. Everything is amazing and intense. And our bodies literally respond to that chemistry. We have more dopamine flowing in our bodies, more adrenaline flowing. It's literally a chemical process that allows us to feel what feels like love, but it actually is lust, right? So just like you said, it's the thing that really makes our heart beat faster. It makes our palms sweaty. It makes our pupils dilate. 
the thing that gives us butterflies in our stomach when we're talking about or see the person. And so that actually lasts roughly for about 18 to 24 months. And just as you said, for the exact reason, it's all about procreating. That's why early in our relationships, we find that we are having sex like rabbits. And all we want to do is really just be with them and experience them in any and every way possible. Well, it's your body's way of tricking you into actually getting pregnant, right? But because after we get pregnant, we can't keep focusing on one another, like we actually have to focus on the offspring that we've actually created, the brain goes through another chemical process around 18 to 24 months. And so now, instead of us having all that new relationship energy, now we've got bonding hormones present. So all the oxytocin, all the, the, the good feelings that make us feel more like we're great friends, something almost like how you would feel for a sibling or your best girlfriend or your best guy friend. And all of a sudden, if we're not careful and we don't know what that is, we go, eh, this relationship has lost its fire. It doesn't really have the same flair. And some people will mistakenly go off to start other relationships in search of that new relationship energy. And other people will say, oh, okay, well, I guess this what is what relationships are. So now I'm going to accept kind of this humdrum, mellow kind of thing instead of looking to revive my relationship over and over again. So we have to talk about that new relationship energy because when we're in that space also, our brains are so love drunk, literally, <laughs> that we're not sure whether or not we're compatible with somebody. We actually may mistake that chemistry for compatibility, but compatibility is actually very different. And compatibility is about how do we line up in the areas of our lives in such a way that if you never changed and I never changed, we would still fit like a glove and we would both be happy and have our needs met in this relationship for the rest of our lives. So how do you then start to work on that compatibility for a long-term relationship? Mm -hmm. um, because there's going to be many elements. I call it like dust settling. So mm -hmm. let's say you're not compatible and you, you butt heads on something. It's like, well, okay, well, you still have a bit of the flutter, so you don't really address it. And so the dust kind of settles. And then a year yeah. goes by and you still don't really say anything. And that thing that you kind of thought was annoying, but you still love them for it now is just freaking annoying. Right. Um, and it starts to build up. And just like dust settling, it becomes so big it's, you can't clean it anymore. Yeah, they're deal breakers. And it's so funny, you know, I just found this meme the other day that I shared with my husband and I said, this is how relationships work. And it said, you know, early in the relationship, when you're first lying together in bed at night, all you wanna do is put your head on their chest and listen to their heartbeat and that is the rhythm that rocks you to sleep. And then somewhere years later you go, you know, I'm gonna record you at night so you can hear how loud you're snoring because I wanna kill you and I want you to know it too, right? Right, <laughs> and that's the thing, it's like that didn't happen overnight, right? It's right, not like you right. woke up one day and went, oh, yesterday I loved it and now he just freaking annoys me. So where's the gap? Because that's, yeah. I think, something that we people don't talk about enough, about how to avoid those exactly. little things that end up becoming like the biggest freaking splinter in your relationship. Yeah. 
And I say you have to learn these things so that you can avoid what I call a starter marriage, which is you marry for the wrong reasons. All of a sudden, somewhere down the road, years later, you find that this is not the relationship for you. And unfortunately, in order for both of you to be happy, you wind up having to leave and be with other people and take what you learned with you. So these are the tools and the lessons that we really need to learn in order to avoid the starter marriage, okay? And so what I like to tell people is when you are dating, that is the perfect time to really go slow and take stock. And you have to see dating much like you see interviewing for a job. So if you've ever been a supervisor or a manager, I want you to think about dating in the very same way because you are hiring for the most important position on earth. (laughs) And that position is for your life mate. And that's how we have to see dating. We have to look at the individuals that we are dating as potential candidates to fill this position instead of dating, thinking that this person is supposed to be our life mate. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, we give boyfriends or girlfriends the husband or wife experience when we don't even know if we should be hiring them for that position. Okay, so it's got to be like a test drive. So when we're first interviewing people, they're like candidates and you go, well, tell me about yourself. Well, tell me where you're from. And you're thinking about them within context of your employment, right? In terms of the organization that you're thinking about having them come on board. You might like them and interview them a second time or a third time. You may have them meet other employees of the company in social settings, over dinner, or in the boardroom during meetings. Dating should be very similar to that because what you're wanting to learn is who this person is. You're wanting to get past the representative, right? Because their representative is not who they are. Their representative is who they think you want them to be. So that's very important because they're filtering you and trying to adjust while you're filtering them. So we've got all this early filtering going on and we need to see them in different environments and then compare, do they actually appear to be who they say that they are over time, right? Because people will tell you one thing, but their behavior can tell you something completely different. It takes time in order to see that. And the hard part is, unfortunately, not only do we often jump in bed too quickly, and the reason why the jumping in bed is important is because the moment that we bring sex in, all of those hormones flood our systems and it clouds our judgment. Again, we go back to being love drunk. I literally am intoxicated the moment that I have sex with you and I am not going to see you the same. So it's like going to bed at two with a 10 and then waking up at 10 with a two. What do you mean by that? I I mean, so if I'm partying, I'm having a great time. By the time I go to the club and it's 2 a.m., the person that I'm leaving with in my drunken state, Uh. in my high state, in my party state, they are a 10. (laughs) It's two in the morning, I'm feeling great. Everything is wonderful. I am going home with a 10, okay? Then at 10 in the morning, after all of those intoxicants have come out of my bloodstream and I'm sober and I roll over and I wake up with you and all of your makeup is on the pillowcase or all of my face (laughs) hair as the man is on the pillowcase and we've taken off all of the lashes and the nails and I get to see you, all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, who are you? 
you're a two. You are not a 10. You are a two. You are not somebody that I would have actually dated. So we need to be able to see that person with a clear eye and sex complicates that because it literally clouds our brain. It gives us a brain fog. So the longer that we can hold out on the sex, the more objective we can be about who the person is. That's important. The other part of this is we have to know that over time, time is what allows us to see a person in different situations. We can talk about theoretically whether or not we think we line up in a particular way, but having actual experiences where we're challenged to see who we are is totally different, which is why to go back to the starter marriage, I often tell folks, if you really want to know who somebody is, divorce them, right? Or break up with them. Many people learn way more about a person at the end of a relationship than they did in the entire relationship. So it is not about time that heals all wounds or creates something different, but what you do with that time. So therefore, it is also important in terms of compatibility, how we date a person. If every time we date, we just go out to dinner and a movie, we're not having any conversation. How do I know about you? How do I know about how you handle challenges? How do I know how you handle being caught off guard? How do I know how you handle social settings? How do I know how you treat other people? If we only date in places and spaces that never really show me who you are, but now when we're together, I'm not dating you to just have fun nights. I'm dating you in places and spaces that require the full range of you to show up. If we don't ever exercise that point of who we are until we're already married or until we've already moved in together or we've already created children or other kind of lifetime commitments that find us stuck together, we've created a whole set of problems for ourselves that now we may be resentful of. Now we may be frustrated with. Now we may become annoyed because I'm stuck with you in a different way and I'm gonna make different choices based upon those consequences that we've already created. Ladies, 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 I know sometimes you worry that you're not good enough. Trust me, nobody knows that better than me. I spent almost a freaking decade having my soul sucked out of my body, doing something that I didn't love. Finally, even though I was scared to freaking death, I decided I was going to go for it. And I've ended up building the life of my dreams, a life I couldn't have imagined because I realized that radical confidence is being afraid and doing it anyway. I wrote this book for you with 10 no BS lessons that you need to go from feeling stuck and frustrated to doing anything that you set your mind to. So let's talk about forgiveness. So I have always been the person and my husband and I both came to an agreement that if one of us says sorry, the other person must receive it immediately because it's <laughs> because it's oh, hard wow. to say sorry. And okay. so in if someone's stepping out of their comfort zone and mm-hmm. saying it, it's almost like you want to reward them for stepping out of their comfort zone. So mm-hmm. saying sorry is it needs to be received well. But I read a quote of yours that I'm going to read out loud that I think is so freaking awesome. It said, you are not required to forgive. Contrary to popular opinion, you are not required to accept anybody's apology just because they offer it to you. Their expression of regret or remorse is theirs to express. You're choosing if, 
how and even when to respond to their expression is entirely up to you. So talk mm-hmm. to me about it because it has been literally the antithesis of what I've been doing. Oh, I love this. Okay, so I say that before we can forgive, we have to first do our own self-care and we have to heal before we can forgive. And I also believe that unfortunately, a lot of us have the wrong idea about forgiveness because we somehow think that forgiveness means that I have to still continue in relationship with you. Forgiveness means that I have to continue to give you access to me. And I absolutely do not agree with that. I think I can forgive you and accept that that has happened to me and move on from my own healing and still put up appropriate boundaries or barriers that says I choose to no longer engage you, right? And that is a very important thing because I can say, you know what? I will forgive you. I will forgive you for violating my boundary, for causing a wound in me, but it does not change the fact that I am wounded you know, and how I love to give this to people, right? I can say I have the best of intentions. I can say I didn't mean to hit you with my car, but it doesn't change the fact that if I hit you, that you're hurt just because I didn't mean to do it or even worse, because I made a bad choice. And this is the other thing I love for people to say I made a mistake when they really made a bad choice. The bad choice is I did what I wanted to do at that time. And they go, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. No, a mistake is like, I didn't mean to run over your foot because I miscalculated and I didn't see it there. That's different than I slept with somebody because the entire time I wanted that more in the moment than I wanted to honor my commitment to you. And because I chose me, that should not then put you under obligation to have to let me off the hook for that wounding, to have to move on from that wounding. And that's the other part is that people want immediate forgiveness. They don't want forgiveness as part of a process to healing. They say, okay, I'm sorry. Okay. I said, I'm sorry. That's it. You have to accept that. I'm sorry. And let's just move on. But meanwhile, you're bleeding and wounded in the background. And that leaves you to have to do the work of your own healing by yourself. I think that that's so disingenuous. And so if somebody says, I recognize that I did something that wounded you and I apologize for doing that. Now, how can I be there for us to tend to your wound? How do I make you whole again? And it's not simply by giving you lip service to say, I'm sorry. That's for you. That's not for me. I'm glad that you feel remorse or regret. Now let's tend to the wound that you created in me for as long as that takes and for however that looks like in order for me to heal. You don't get to decide that and two words are not going to heal that. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with hires as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion 
billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about, that maybe not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Girl, that's so true. Because actually now as you're talking, because we've been together for so long, we do things naturally now. We do that. It's um, thank you for saying you're sorry. I really hear you. I appreciate it. I'm still actually upset. So just give me a while. And so it mm-hmm. becomes a, it's not like, well, I'm sorry. So you've got to forgive me and you've got to pretend that nothing ever happened. Like that doesn't solve anything. Right. Um, yeah. but it is the, give me the grace to work through the emotion of this. Um, and I, and totally- the grace is the big part, right? Yeah. Cause I tell every couple, you know, if you're, if you're together forever, you are going to need grace. Yes. So treat the person how you want to be treated in the experience. Sometimes it's very easy for us to be the victim. Oh no, you hurt me. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So no, remember, and I'm going to hold on to that and I'm not going to allow myself to heal. I'm not going to allow myself to get over it. It's usually a very manipulating kind of thing. And it may be subconscious. We don't always do it because we want to, but sometimes when I'm wounded, you treat me differently. You treat me the way I really want to be treated. You give me extra uh-huh. attention. You talk more nicely to me. You're softer. You come home on time. You do things and I want that to last. So maybe I want this pain to linger. I'm going to relish in it because there's a payoff, right? Or maybe I've learned somewhere or I'm afraid that I let you off the hook too early. You're going to do it to me again. Mm. So I'm going to hold it over your head. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hold you hostage to it. I'm going to remind you over and over. Remember you did that thing. Remember I'm still hurt. Remember. And so we do that over and over. So the person goes, wow, okay, I really get it. Wow, that really affected you. Because we're trying to get a reaction from them, which is their understanding of the depth of the wound that they've caused. And we're afraid that if we let them off the hook too soon, then they will do it again. 
And then the other part is the person hasn't given us what we need in order for us to feel confident that they actually understand Mm -hmm. the wound that they've caused. So we'll linger in it. And every time they do it again, we'll go, see that? That's what I'm talking about. You never listen to me. You don't understand. And we'll keep bringing it up over and over. That's why sometimes couples will talk about the same problem. They'll go, yeah, 20 years ago when he cheated on me. And they go, man, if I would have known that it was going to be all this and you said you would forgive me and, and they go, yeah, but you know, the minute that I forgive you, you're just going to do it again. Because oftentimes the partner doesn't take the accountability that's required. They only give you the lip service of the, I'm sorry, but no plan, no teamwork, no, uh, uh, no sense of responsibility. No, this is how we'll go forward and how I will own it and how I will hold us together to make sure that that never happens again. So there are all these self-serving ways where if we wound each other and we don't really do the work to heal each other and just give each other quick lip service, you love me, you're supposed to forgive me, or I realize that I'm required to forgive, even if I really don't feel it, but I have to pretend, that is why we find ourselves stuck. And often if we make agreements to forgive, but we really don't, we don't feel like we can come back to the person to say, look, I'm still wounded. I'm still hurt. Mm. I'm still holding on to it. So instead of being able to express that and that be a problem we work together as a team on, now I have to pretend. I have to pretend that we're okay because I made the agreement. So now I'm really resentful, but I can't talk about the real thing. So I'm going to yell at you about the trash and the dishes and you working too late and you doing everything else. So we have to give our relationship the space and, and, and breath for transparency, for honesty, and for humanness to be able to say, listen, I know I made an agreement with you, but that's when I thought I could do a certain thing. Now that I'm checking into who I am and what I'm actually feeling and what I actually need, I can't honor that agreement. And so now we need to consider that we need to do things a new way for our relationship. Because again, there's you, your partner and their relationship. I can't give this relationship what I agreed to. So you and I have to come up with a new agreement that works for our relationship. Mm -hmm. My husband and I have one agreement and it's to use a word important to me. If you say that important, we probably say it two or three times a year because it yeah. means if I say it, you have to drop everything and not even ask why. We've just got that agreement. We don't abuse the word. So we use it very sparingly. Mm-hmm. And only once in 18 years have we clashed and we both said it was important and he didn't come over to my side. And so in that moment, I was like, I literally, it was a very emotional moment. I broke down. I said, I need you. I don't think I've ever needed you more than I need you now. It is important. And he was going through similar emotions. And so he's like, I can't be there for you. I have to Mm -hmm. go on this, this trip. And the trip was so important to him that we collapsed, we collided. And I was like, this is that moment. This is that moment that if I do not let go of it, if I do not process what we are going through right now, and I do not accept what has happened, discuss it, of course, talk through it. What are we going to do next time? All of that. But now it becomes a well, why should he come to my side? Why am I not willing to go to his? So it's it doesn't just go one way, Lisa. It goes yeah. both ways. And now I have to actively forgive him wholeheartedly. Because mm-hmm. like you said, I could tell within just humans and myself that 
if in five years I ask him to be there for me and for whatever reason he's not, I'd be like, see, you did it again. And he'd be like, what yeah. do you mean I did it again? So, mm-hmm. um, so how do you work through the forgiveness? And it's not really forgetting. It's, let's say, learning from it instead of mm-hmm. holding on to it. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference, right? I tell people all the time. You'll never forget anything in a relationship. Right. Most, listen, especially as women, right? We're like (laughs) elephant brains. We can remember everything, right? But the key is not to forget, but to pay attention to how it makes us feel. And if we're still holding on to negative energy about a thing, then that means that we need to heal it. Okay. Every relationship has scars. Scars are okay because scars are the testimony to what you survived. Scars are perfectly fine. Open wounds though, over time will fester, will become toxic and that will kill a relationship. They're the things that when I'm working with couples, they'll go, you know, I really should have left you 10 years ago because I knew that that moment that changed everything that changed for me the way that I saw you. I was never the same with you again. Yes, I was here, but I never trusted you the same. I never could open up to you the same. Our lovemaking was different. Our respect level, how we talked, we started to go our separate ways. Everything changed. Like they can find those defining moments where they unfortunately didn't do what they needed to do in order to heal the relationship. And this is why I strive to just drive home the point over and over that your relationship is different from you and your partner. There are things that you both need as individuals. And sometimes those things will be different than what's in the best interest of your relationship. And so how you have a successful relationship and not just be two individuals living under the same roof, getting your needs met individually from each other, sometimes together and other times separately, is by committing to working in partnership to always do what's in the best interest of your relationship. And if you don't have those agreements, I tell couples all the time, when you're in conflict, 99.9999999999% of the time, It's because you don't have an agreement for how your relationship is supposed to function in that area. So you're operating according to what you want or what you think is best. They're operating according to what they want or what they think is best, but you've never come to an agreement. So this is where I am. This is where you are now. What's in the best interest of our relationship. Okay. So this is how we are going to function. So a great example is like, let's say that you are a home in bed, set the, uh, security alarm on your home every night by 10 PM. And you like to feel safe and know that everybody is accounted for, but your partner is a party animal. They love to go out. They love to come up with the sun. They'll go to the, to the nightclubs all night long. Then they want to go and have a nightcap. Then they want to go have early morning breakfast. And so they want to come in the house at six or seven o'clock in the morning. And you think that is absolutely unacceptable. That is absolutely unacceptable. And your partner thinks, well, I'm not coming in at 10 o'clock at night. That's absolutely unacceptable that you want to control and contain me. So now we have to compromise. And a compromise is where everybody comes to the table and everybody gets up winning or getting something that they wanted, but no one person is 100% happy. Because if I win and you lose, then our relationship loses. 
So we both have to give, we both have to get, and we both have to feel like we've gotten something equally. So perhaps if I'm a 10 person and you're a six, well, I'm not willing to let you stay out till six, but maybe two o'clock I could see my way to. Okay, well, I'm a six and I'm not doing 10, but maybe I could do three. Okay, so you say two and I say three, how about 2.30, right? Okay, that's great. And at 2.30, when I hear the security alarm go off, I'm not gonna be upset about that because that's the compromise and I know that you're happy. And when you come home at 2.30, you're not gonna be pissed off about that because you know that I feel safe and I honored your needs. And so now our relationship knows how we function. We know what to expect. We know how to govern ourselves. And because we love each other, we found our way to the middle and our relationship has a way to function that we both understand. That's so amazing. And I think it eliminates any judgment, right? Because it's like over time, everyone always thinks they're right. Everyone. Of course. So it's it's like, what do you mean you're staying out till six, right? It comes across (laughs) with judgment. You're not making them feel good. And now, you know, you're you're kind of getting those emotions um, all rattled up where when you come together, you're just going to be butting heads instead of actually coming together, like you said. Oh, yeah. Um, as like a team, I, I say it like um, a tennis match. It's like uh-huh. we're not on opposite sides. We're playing doubles. You're on That's my it. side and we're trying to win the game together. That's it. And so, you know, judgment, I always say if you are judging, whether you're judging yourself or you're judging somebody else, you are really in your ego. That is a very <laughs> egocentric place because it says that I'm right. I know how this should go. And the reason why I say it, that it works both ways is because oftentimes, and and my office is called the no judgment zone. It's like the sanctuary is what my clients have nicknamed it. And the reason for that is because, you know, who we are even changes over time. What we know, the resources that we have, how we see the world, and everybody is doing the best that they can with what they have in any given moment. So if I am now in my 40s judging the choices that I made at 20 and I go, oh, that was so dumb. Oh, what was I thinking? I was just a ridiculous person. Well, my 20 year old self, first of all, was responsible for getting me to the place that I am. (laughs) And they had to figure out how to do that with way less resources, way less know-how, way less knowledge than this 40-year-old. So how dare I judge me back then that did the best that they could and somehow it worked out, right? Because here I am (laughs) and they're the ones that got me there. And the same with our partners. Like when we're judging, why would you do it that way? Who taught you how to do it that way? That doesn't make any sense at all. Well, if they've been doing it that way all the way up until they met you and somehow it's been enough to get them not only to where they are, but has made them who they are to the point that you were attracted to them. It was enough for you to choose them. How dare you decide now from your place of ego that your way is better? Right. So sometimes the best thing that we can do is if we think we have the better way, we model that for somebody by showing them how we do it. And if they think that it's better through their own filter in how they show up in their lives, they'll come over and go, wait, wait, show me that again. Or how about we do it your way this time? Because that seems to work. Or wow, nobody's ever showed me that. And they're, it's easier for them to accept it and easier for them to adapt to it 
if they're doing it of their own volition, if it's voluntary and it doesn't feel like they're, it's being shoved down their throat. Sometimes even if we have the best way, if it feels like it's being shoved down somebody's throat, they'll reject it just because they're a grown up now and they don't need somebody else telling them what to do in their lives. That may trigger some old trauma history, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to be careful with how we give people who we are. Instead of asking or requiring them to take on our way, we're coming into a relationship. Part of that is for us to give them the space to meet our needs and to give us a different experience. That's why we're choosing partnership. We're not choosing us to be in relationship with. So, but what happens though, especially let's say someone like me who's married young, you change over time. Mm -hmm. And so certain things that you know, may come up as your partner is changing becomes more and more irritable. But again, it's like, well, we've been together for five years or whatever. And so you, you often make excuses for the little things that start to frustrate you mm-hmm. only for it to then build, 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 build. So mm-hmm. let's say someone hasn't, you know, is in the middle of their relationship. And so what you have just said has already passed. They have, they're, they're stuck. They're, they're like, stuck. we're together. Exactly. You're stuck with me. Especially <laughs> while we're in quarantine and things like that. So. Uh-huh. How would you then advise somebody? In fact, here's a question. If you have some animosity or resentment or grudge, whatever word you want to use towards someone, whose responsibility is it to get over it? Ah, okay. So the real answer to that is that it's both of your problem because there are three parts to this scenario. There's you, there's your partner, and there's the relationship. And the relationship is its own living, breathing entity. And it's up to the two of you to constantly work together in partnership to resolve the problems in your relationship. So I often tell people, you are not the problem and your partner is not the problem. The problems are the problem and it's up to the two of you to work together as a team to solve the problems. What typically happens though is when one of us is frustrated about a thing, we personalize it and blame the person, right? You are the thing that's making me feel this way. Instead of owning, I feel a particular kind of way or I'm having a particular kind of experience in this relationship with you and that's not the experience that I want. So we spend unfortunately too much time talking about the problems Mm -hmm. and not the solution. Oftentimes when I have couples that come in for couples counseling, they can tell me ad nauseum what the problems are in their relationship, right? Because they've talked about it a thousand times. They can say, it was 1976 and you had on the purple shirt and I was wearing that and we were standing over there and we go, guys, so let me make sure we're arguing about something that happened 44, 45 years ago. Okay, so now. The problem is because couples get hung up on talking about the problem instead of we understand, we have communicated, we're in agreement that we know what the problem is, even if we don't see it the same way. We've identified succinctly what the problem is. Now what we're going to do is not talk about the problem anymore, but we're going to talk about all the possible solutions for the problem, whether we're going to implement them or not. Let's just weigh out our options and see what they are. Now, once we brainstorm all of the solutions, we are then going to pick one or two of those solutions to try, okay? Who's gonna be responsible for what? Well, I'm gonna have to do this part, and that means that I'll have to do this part. Okay, I'm in agreement. Once we come up with the solutions, we have to decide then 
how long to try those solutions for. Mm. All too often we say, okay, that's fine. So I'm just going to do that going forward. That is what it is. But because old habits die hard and sometimes they don't die at all, it's important that we decide we're going to try this a new way for a specific amount of time for the next 24 hours, for the next three days, for the next month. And then we're going to come back to the table to evaluate how well that solution worked. If it worked great, then you continue and you do more of that. But if it didn't work, oh, I forgot I was supposed to be doing that. Oh, I didn't realize you were doing it and that didn't work. We still have the problem. Now we need to get rid of those because those weren't viable solutions for us. We need to go back to the solutions that we proposed and try something else. But unfortunately, what happens is I'm having a particular experience in this relationship. I don't feel like you're getting it. You don't understand it. We're not talking about the actual problem. We're talking about examples of the problem. I call them the leaves on the trees and we never get to the root of the thing. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about all these things that never actually resolve the problem. And over time, I just become resentful. I become frustrated. I withdraw. I check out. Whatever happens, we stop being on the same team in pursuit of solving the problem. If you're fed up of people constantly pushing you around, ignoring your boundaries, and just disrespecting you left, right, and center, then it's time to finally stop letting people walk all over you and start actually standing up for yourself, my homie. Because trust me, I've been there staying silent and living a life I never actually wanted for myself, but lacked the confidence to do anything about it. But I was able to go from someone who settled and lacked all the confidence in herself to someone who comfortably commands respect and guys and my homie even with the fears the doubts and uncertainty you can finally go after what you freaking want in life set boundaries speak up show up fight imposter syndrome and stop people pleasing and i break down how to actually do this step by step in my book radical confidence and when you pre-order your copy of radical confidence right now today guys you can get a free gift valued at 171 dollars, which includes my ultimate guide to radical confidence which is a workbook that you actually can work through as you're reading my book three months ad free listening to women of impact on podcast and one hour exclusive relationship coaching session with me and my hubby of 21 years, Tom. So my homie, if you go and pre-order this book right now, you get all of those things for utterly free, which has been valued at $171. So go over to RadicalConfidence.com to pre-order your copy right now. That's RadicalConfidence.com. See you there, my homie. Let's freaking go. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold.
Oh my God, so true. And the fact that you put emotion and you connect emotion to all this, like forget it, right? It's just, yeah. it becomes this perpetual, like, no, you did this and you did this and it becomes the blaming game. And what I so freaking love about what you just laid out is it's so binary. It's let's do mm -hmm. this. Let's test it for 24 hours. Let's come back together and let's see how we feel. Did we do it or not? Yes, we did it. Did it work? No. Cool. Move on. Right. It's, yes. it's like, it's such a business mind as well. And I love it because it removes the emotion of whatever mm -hmm. you're feeling right then, which can mm -hmm. cloud how you are approaching the, uh, the solution. Yes, because, you know, what I really want to do as a therapist is to demystify relationships. I really don't want people to walk around thinking this Disney fairy tale that maybe there's a Prince Charming out there. And if I'm lucky, I might meet them or there is this princess out there. It's like, no, there is a science to relationships. And if you learn the science, not only can you have the kind of relationship that you want, you can control the intensity of it. You can control the duration of it. You can control the quality of it. There is a science to every single thing. We just haven't learned how to do it. So I like to break it down into very pragmatic ways mm -hmm. for people to go, oh my gosh, this makes sense to me. Oh, wait a minute. I thought they were the problem. Wait, I'm the problem. I haven't learned how to do it right. I'm not talking about the right thing. I'm not communicating the right thing in order to get what it is that I want. Everything starts with us as the individual and then radiates outward. And if you don't understand that, that's because either you haven't learned to be connected to all the parts of yourself or somewhere along the line, somebody told you that what you needed and wanted wasn't important enough for you to express and advocate for you getting what you want in order to be happy. That is so true how much of our past carries over into that. So whether it be oh, past yes. relationships or even just parents and teachers. Oh, it, it goes to childhood, to grandparent stuff, to great-grandparent <laughs> stuff. Like we learn how to come into relationship through the presence or the absence of the people in our lives, whether it's our parents being in relationship and how they did it, step-parents and, and extras, parents staying single, quality of relationship. We learn how to do it. And then as adults, we're just simply reenacting the same patterns over and over from our past. That is so true. The, the advice my grandmother gave me just before I got married, she's, I'm Greek. So she came from a tiny village of this really, really old Greek woman, can't speak a word of English. And she pulls me aside and she's like, look, if Tom has to hit you, don't worry. It probably means you deserve it. My oh. grandmother, and so it's like, I understand where she comes from. So I actually just mm -hmm. thought it was quite funny. Mm -hmm. um, but there is something actually heartbreaking to it in that that's the belief that she had growing up. And mm -hmm. what if I was born, not in London, but what if I was born in that same village? Right. I wouldn't have thought of it as, oh, yeah, yeah, you're so cute. I would have gone, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I love what you're saying about it just not being your parents, but yeah. basically where you come from, where your parents have come from, mm -hmm. your great grandparents. Um, and how tightly you're still connected to that. Because like you said, had you still been there, had you still been a part right. of that culture, it may have been supported in a different way. Yeah. So if you were in a situation and your partner struck you, you may be supported in a different way. 
People might say, girlfriend, you don't have to take that. Let us help you. Let us rescue you. And all of a sudden you go, okay, I matter and that's not acceptable. But had you been back there, then it might have been, well, what did you do? Yes. Well, go back and apologize, right? That yes. teaches you a different experience. And that's yeah. what I so freaking love about you, your message and everything you do, because you um, eliminate the emotion when you're giving people advice. And it's so tactical that yeah. no matter where you're from, what your beliefs are, you do the try this and this, right? And so it's like you're, you're kind of a able to cross all these boundaries and all these other people's beliefs and visions of what mm -hmm. they think a relationship should be, can be. And you're mm -hmm. kind of just breaking that down with very tactical um, guidelines. And yes. Which I think is so impactful, girl. Like that's yeah. so freaking amazing. Oh, that's so awesome. Listen, I tell people at the end of the day, we all are human beings. And to break us down into our smallest parts, there are three parts of ourselves, okay? There are our feelings, our thoughts, and our behaviors, okay? Your feelings are your body's alarm systems to what you need, okay? So for example, if I'm cold, that's a feeling. If I'm hungry, that's a feeling. If I'm horny, that's a feeling. Everything that we are boils down to our feelings of what we need. Our thought process are the strategies that we think about in order to get our needs or our feelings met, okay? And our behaviors are what we execute, the strategies that we execute all in pursuit of getting our need met. So for example, if I'm hungry, I may then think, okay, so I'm hungry. How am I going to no longer be hungry? Well, I could go in the kitchen and cook. I could go to the local deli and go buy something. Okay, yeah, I'm tired, so I'm gonna just go buy something. So then we get up and we go down the street and we buy what it is that we need in order to satisfy the hunger. Okay, so now the behavior is I get up and I go do a thing. The important thing that we need to remember though, is that as it relates to our feelings or our needs, by the time that we feel them or recognize that we have a need, we're already operating at a deficit. <laughs> so we're already slightly in trouble. By the time I realize that I'm thirsty, I'm already dehydrated, <laughs> right? By the time I recognize that I'm hungry, I'm already in need of nutrients. And we also need to know that our needs are different over time. They're more intense or less intense over time. Sometimes I'm ravenous. I could absolutely eat an entire cow. And other times, oh, I could go for a nosh, just like something to take the edge off. But if we're not in tune with our own needs, one, we can't communicate that to somebody else. And two, we can't properly figure out what options or strategies we need to execute in order to get our needs met. And so unfortunately, when we're disconnected from our needs, when we're disconnected from our feelings, then how do we enter into partnership with someone else, expecting them to be able to meet what we don't even know how to identify for ourselves? And that's important in relationship because I cannot respond to what my partner doesn't communicate. And I can't help to meet a need and know how to behave or show up in order to help get the need met if I don't even know it or can't communicate it for myself. That's amazing. But what happens if the wiring is crossed? 
So mm-hmm. you you say, okay, I feel really lonely. So um, or like I'm 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 feeling lonely. So I go to a bar, right? Mm-hmm. And so my behavior is I don't want to be. I feel lonely. So my behavior is let's find someone to not be lonely with. So mm-hmm. let's say you pick someone up and then you realize the next day that didn't fill the hole that you thought it would. And so now mm-hmm. your behaviors, your feelings, and your thoughts all are actually working against each other instead of working mm-hmm. for each other. So they're out of sync, right? Yeah. So that means that I'm executing the wrong strategies, which oftentimes is the problem. That's why in therapy, when we talk about cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, we're talking about if you can change the way that a person thinks and the way they behave, everything else falls in line, right? So if I'm feeling lonely, only one of the strategies that I thought about was go to a bar. Now, perhaps I only thought about that strategy because I don't know anything else. I don't have any other options or coping skills. I haven't expanded myself enough to know that there are other options or other means to get my need met. How you know if you have the right strategy, much like when we were talking about solutions, how you know if you have the right solution is, I actually went to the bar, I did everything that I did, did it satisfy my need? If it didn't, then I need to go back to the drawing board and how I'm thinking about getting the need met. And sometimes I have other options that I've thought about, but I haven't tried them, or I need some help maybe some professional help, maybe my social support, friends, family, maybe some online learning, but I need to figure out some new strategies and how to meet people to satisfy this cure for loneliness. And sometimes it becomes so convoluted because we may have trauma or other experiences where there are other needs that have to be met before that need can even be touched. So perhaps if I have abandonment issues or if I have a trauma history, perhaps the reason why I feel lonely is because I can't execute the right behaviors in order to connect with people. I go to bars when I should be going to bookstores. I talk to guys when I should be talking to girls. I'm thinking sex when I need to be thinking emotional intimacy, but I'm thinking about and executing the wrong behaviors that are not meeting my needs. We will have conversations and say things to ourselves about ourselves that we would never dream of saying to a stranger. Mm -hmm. We talk horribly about ourselves in ways that we wouldn't even talk about people that we don't like. (laughs) And so like, right. So like if we would do that to ourselves, then we actually become our own worst enemy. And what's so bad about that is because we're in our own head 24 seven We record these stories and this music that comes to play in the background of who we are our entire lives. And nobody else can free us from that. Nobody else can break us from that. It's why our partners can say, oh my gosh, you look absolutely lovely today. And you go, no, I don't. My hair is too frizzy and I didn't put on my makeup right. We become these self-deprecating people because of the own, the conversations that we're having with ourselves all the time from a place of judgment instead of from a place of love and from a place of embracing and moving forward constantly knowing every day I'm one step closer to being a better version of myself if I give myself the grace, the space, and the love to do so. We give it to our partners before we give it to ourselves right. even. But if I'm holding myself to such high regard, if I'm super critical of myself, what happens is we get into this process where we go, well, I'm not treating you any different than I'm treating myself. 
You know, I'm only asked, I wouldn't ask anything of you that I don't ask of myself. And so if we're super critical, if we're super judgmental, then we automatically get up on this pedestal and expect our partners to meet us there because we're constantly working so hard instead of giving ourselves grace not to know everything, to be able to change what we thought we knew, to expand past and grow past what we've already come to know and to be open to new possibilities that we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to know everything. And the more open that we are to not knowing, the more we actually learn. Oh, spirit girl, you're freaking amazing. Like everything, (laughs) because, and and, I mean, look, relationships is something I absolutely love talking about. But Mm -hmm. it never occurred to me until I got into my own relationship, how much of a successful relationship depends on you. Oh, absolutely. You cannot have a successful relationship if you're not a successful you, because you'll go into the relationship making somebody else one, the center of your world when they should be an enhancement to it. You know, I tell my clients all the time, you have to be having an amazing life and be in progress. And you have to be so far into your enjoyment and your peace that when somebody wants to come in and be a part of that, you go, okay, wait, hold on, hold on because I have to tread lightly. I am so good with what my world is and how it's set up that I don't want to bring anything that would disrupt this piece, Mm. right? So that's important. They can't become the center of your joy or your world. And then the other part is they can't become responsible for meeting your need. Mm -hmm. Because again, you have to know your own need. They have to be, you have to strategize and you have to behave in such a way. So they cannot be the person that does that. So unfortunately, so many of us come into relationships looking to be healed, looking to be fulfilled, looking to be taken care of, looking for the other person to give us the experience that we really should be coming into relationships to give ourselves. You could try to give me the world, but if I'm not happy within, if I'm not complete within, I don't care if you came in the house and gave me a thousand roses and a thousand kisses each and every day. If I can't receive it, if I can't embrace it, or if I don't even need it, it's not going to move the needle at all. So I have to know what I need. I have to be able to communicate what I'm going to do in order to execute getting the need met. And then I have to be able to have this kind of go back and forth with you, knowing that it's constantly changing in intensity. It's constantly changing in quality. I'm constantly growing and changing. And we have to be in communication with each other to make sure that as we ebb and flow and change and grow, that we're constantly moving in the same direction in our relationship. Hell yeah, girl. Okay, so if someone is in that situation right now where um, they haven't been ebbing and flowing, they haven't been communicating, and they're starting to feel the dust settle, what are Mm -hmm. three things that that they can do immediately in order to start to unwind that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so first and foremost, we have to acknowledge, we have to be willing to acknowledge the ugly, the hard, the scary, to be able to verbalize between each other that we have a problem. Okay, because we cannot change what we will not acknowledge. So if we're walking around, acting a certain way, recognizing that something is wrong, but we've never verbalized, Houston, we have a problem. We have to be willing to do that. Having the courage and realizing that neither of you are the problem, right? So we have to talk about that we have a problem so that we can work together to solve the problem. 
Okay. The other part of this is that we have to be honest with each other about whether or not we are still motivated to solve the problem. <laughs> it takes, oh yes. Cause mm-hmm. listen, sometimes we're already out the door. Yeah. Sometimes we've already done our healing work and we are over this relationship or we've been so wounded that we know ourselves well enough to know, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say. We are long past the point of return. I won't ever be able to feel for you the way I need to in order to be happy in this relationship. And I want you to know that that has nothing to do with the person that has to do with you. That's a choice, whether you're going to choose to forgive somebody, whether or not you're going to allow yourself to receive the love and the efforts that they make in order to create a quality relationship with you. So you have to decide and both people have to be motivated because if one is not, no matter how hard the other person is working, they can't carry the entire relationship themselves. Okay. And then the third part about this is we both have to commit to also do things to re-infuse the love. Yes, we have problems. Yes, we're motivated to working them out, but it took us this long to get here. It's going to take us some time to get out of this and falling in love again is a process. It's not a light switch that we can just flip on because we talked about a problem. It's going to take time. And so how I tell couples how you can kind of cheat to reinvent the relationship while you're working on the problems is to do new things with each other in new environments. Mm. And the reason for that, this is going back to now the chemistry, okay? Because the brain requires dopamine. Dopamine is the thing that excites us. It gives us passion, all of those things. Anytime we're placed in a new environment, it automatically sets off different parts of our brain because it's a new environment. So we're trying to take all of these things in. What you want to do is you want to have new experiences, fun dopamine inducing experiences with your partner. Because when your brain releases that chemical, which is going to cause you to feel good, it creates a state of euphoria, doing that activity with your partner automatically pairs pleasure with your partner in your brain. And so all of a sudden, when you think about happiness, when you think about fun, when you think about joy, your partner is at the top of your brain. And all of a sudden, the things that you began to to remember loving about them, the way they smiled, the way it felt good when you were in unison with each other, the way she flicks her hair that drives you nuts, but you can't help but still laugh and get a little giddy. All of a sudden, your brain now gets that reactivation of those feel-good chemicals. And the love that you want, you realize, is actually still there. It just needs to be reinfused, reignited, and that tank needs to be filled back up in your relationship. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money. 